Welcome, everybody, back to KickServeRadio.com, Tennis on Air with Andy Zoden. Very special treat today as I am joined by Eric Tonis. He is professor of theology at Biola University in La Mirada, California. And I had the great pleasure of watching Eric speak very recently. And some of the subject matter that he touched on, I found very pertinent to what those of us that coach junior tennis players deal with a lot. Uh, Eric, first of all, welcome to Kickstarter Radio. Before we go any further, it's really great to have you with us. Thanks, Andy. It's great to be with you. You wrote the article, Why We Play, and you start the article out by talking about two very different situations that you encountered with respect to the sport of tennis. And one was of a coach that you had great admiration for because of the way you watched him allow the children to enjoy the joy of the sport, and then unfortunately you witness something very different. Let's start out talking about those two very different situations and, and kind of take things from there. Yeah, it was amazing. I was at a fitness club, and there was a coach giving lessons to little kids, and he was having a blast with them, and they were enjoying this because he gave them lots of freedom to play. In the midst of developing skills, that was the, the mastery that I was observing, that he was teaching them some basic coordination you desperately need for tennis, some basic skills for those sorts of things, but he gave them lots of leeway to play in the midst of doing that. So they'd pick up the racket and use it like a guitar and sword fight with it a little bit, and he had lots of room for that sort of playfulness in the midst of teaching them some really important skills at the same time. Then that same week, I read in the newspaper about a tennis player who was arrested for drugging his opponents, and actually one of them died. He was slipping uh, drugs into their drinking water during matches, and they'd get lethargic, and he was winning because of it, and he didn't give one a pretty good dosage. And so I just thought, wow, on one hand, you've got a coach who gets that sports is about something bigger and just winning matches. And then you get an example of a dad and this player who had completely lost perspective on the importance of sport, but for something beyond itself. And in watching you speak and hearing you speak the other night, Eric, one of the points that really struck a chord with me, uh, and I'll paraphrase this, but you, you basically showed a little frustration in the fact that as, let's call them, purveyors of honesty or honesty brokers you feel like coaches are coming up against obstacles with with parents and with players with respect to in this particular day and age just how honest we can truly be before a line is crossed and these parents decide well i'm going to go elsewhere so that i can perhaps hear what i'd rather hear uh, as opposed to what we really need to hear for the sake of my child getting better Right. We're about the same age, and we grew up in a time where it was very different, and maybe even to excess. I remember when I was playing football, getting a drink when I was in high school was a reward. And if we did something wrong, we couldn't get a drink for three hours. <laughs> and so on one end of the spectrum, we've got hydration being used, uh, dehydration being used as a punishment. But boy, I think we've swung a pendulum away from that, where... Like coaches need to be psychotherapists now and figure out ways to convince players that what they're telling them to do really matters. I remember I was walking through the gym 
here at Biola when the, the women's basketball coach was including practice. It obviously hadn't gone well. And I heard him, he, he was old school, and I heard him bellowing to the ladies, I am not here to make you happy. I'm here to make you better. And I thought to myself, who talks that way anymore? Maybe drill instructors and, and some old school coaches, but it doesn't seem like a lot of parents talk that way to their kids. And, and they seem far more concerned that their kids like them every day and approve of their parenting rather than truly wanting to be parents and help the kids grow up to be mature contributors to society who have character, who've gone through the difficulty of discipline and not getting what you want all the time and not having everything be just the way you want it, which is one of the main reasons you play sport. So I think we've gone through a shift where at every level, whether it be in the family or schools or society in general, sports, we've got a consumer mentality where people are looking to leaders now to give them what they want rather than what the leader, whether it's a coach, a parent, a teacher, uh, whomever, rather than looking to the leader as the one who knows what he's talking about or what she's talking about. And, and so you listen to them as an authority. Everybody can Google a different opinion now and feel like an expert on it. So, yeah, I think we're in a crisis of authority. We're in a crisis of, of character and of discipline that needs to becoming the kind of people that the greatest generation used to be. I, I grieve over the fact that my grandparents' generation and now even my parents' generation are, are dying, that World War II generation that understood that the world doesn't revolve around you and getting what you want isn't actually the norm in life. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we've really got to sit back and re rethink where we are and what we've fallen into. You mentioned about that greatest generation, and I remember as a kid living in Dallas, my father was pretty excited when during the offseason from the NFL, one of the starting linebackers for the Dallas Cowboys actually called on my father to sell him insurance. And I think that that made these guys real to us, and that made us real to them. Do you think that having moved so far away from that to, to see that anybody that signs a professional contract in just about any sport certainly doesn't have to sell insurance on the side, let alone really even ever have to work again if they play their cards right. And that has jaded us and jaded the way our parents view us taking up a sport and the importance of it. I sure think so. We, we have a celebrity culture that, that looks to celebrities as the ideal existence, forgetting that a lot of times celebrities are the most hollow, unhappy people going, even though they seem to have everything that you want in life. But the bottom line is happiness and having everything you think you want never go hand in hand. And so I, I do think having to work really hard for what you get and not always getting your way is one of the most important things in life. And for us to, to think, well, why am I doing this in the first place? If, if I'm playing a sport to become a professional, to establish some lifestyle, rather than to become a better person, to becoming a person of discipline and character and integrity and toughness and perspective in life and dealing with failures. If that's not the reason I'm playing a sport, that's a pretty fleeting goal that I have just to accomplish something or even win. So those bigger ideas, those character, become a better man or woman, become a, a better contributor to, to society uh, as a, a pastor and a Christian theologian to honor God and please him with the way I do this. That's, that's what the driving goal would be for, 
for my students here at Biola and folks in my church, but to have transcendent goals that go beyond just winning matches and points and like, attaining some level in your sport. Because we all know it, it's all dependent on your Achilles tendon not popping tomorrow. It's it's so fleeting. It's so fleeting otherwise. Very well said, Eric. And and I, I, I ask you this now. One of the things that I don't think people prioritize highly enough is how sports can strengthen and build the relationship between parent and child when, in fact, we're in a world where that oftentimes destroys that relationship and the parent is too pushy and the child not only resents the sport as a result, but they resent their parent. What advice would you have for parents with respect to avoiding that and making sure that that sports relationship that they have is used for the sake of building that relationship and that, you know, when my dad's 65 and I'm 40, we're still going to NFL games together on Sunday and wanting to hang out? Yeah, again, I think it's perspective. We've got to be giving parents and kids perspective on what this is all about, that it is about who we're becoming. It's about deepening relationships. I don't think there's been anything better than war for overcoming things like racism. When you're playing football or playing a sport and you have a teammate and you have a common opponent or enemy, you don't care what color that guy is. You want him to help you not get your head taken off by that defensive tackle across the way. And so it's just amazing how relationally bonding sports can be if you keep things in perspective. But if the sport or winning or attaining some level of success in that sport becomes an idol, it becomes a god to you, well, you lose perspective, and now reality's out the window. So I coached football for quite a few years, and it was very rare I had a parent who I thought was helping their kid think realistically about where they were as an athlete, where they were and how much further they had to go. I mean, parents, by default, tend to say, well, my kid should be start, or my kid should have made the all-star team. Rather than suggesting, son, you have some work to do. You know, your foot quickness isn't where it needs to be. And that kid ahead of you who made the team instead of you, he's actually better. And let me tell you why. We can work on it and get better. So we need to encourage, but we also need to be realistic and not assume that every time our kid gets fouled in basketball that the, the ref was wrong. And, and when the kid doesn't start, that the coach was wrong. And so the parents align themselves against the other authority figures in the child's life rather than aligning themselves with those authority figures and and teaming up with those coaches and leaders and teachers to help that kid grow into the man or or woman that, that God created him to be. Where does a parent go, Eric, to find the knowledge? Let's say you're a kid who's a great athlete. You've been playing a sport for a while, but your parent didn't have the benefit of of learning the things that you are being taught right now, yet that parent's paternal or maternal instincts is one thing and one thing only and that is i'm going to advocate for my kid the best way i know how but then it ends up not being what you're describing which is sitting down and explaining some some difficult and brutal truths to their child where do they go to be coached up themselves in your opinion yeah i think we need to create a subculture in our families that has the kind of perspective and resilience and big picture of life. You can't just apply it to certain portions of your life. So it really becomes a way of viewing the world because a sport is just a little laboratory for life. 
It's actually a world of make-believe. We're going to act like these rules execs. We're going to act like this little area we've created to play. And, and we're going to enter this world of make-believe with imagination and competition and playfulness. And we're going to seek to see it as a laboratory to become better people. And so I think your family needs to become a place where that perspective is operative. And then that applies to everything. It applies to jobs. It applies to mowing the lawn. It applies to doing your chores. It applies to the way you approach school uh, and, and everything. And so I, now, now as, a, as a Christian theologian, as a pastor, for me, it's glorifying God. It's living for his glory to become the, the man he created me to be, someone's made in his image. And so that's the driving motive in my family. That's what I'm trying to get my kid to think about all the time. Why do you treat people with respect? Because God created them in his image, and you're commanded by him to love them regardless. And so without that, it's Lord of the Flies. Yes, it We're is. going to go to our most basic instincts, which is self-preservation and proving myself and and uh, being self-exalting and, and losing perspective. What do you think is the key to, and I, this is probably the wrong word, but to perfecting that balance between the parent, the coach, those relationships? Uh, I, I guess there's probably nobody that's ever done it perfect. There, there are certain people that have done it a certain way, and they found amazing success. I don't, I don't think anybody thought that Richard Williams, father of Venus and Serena, was doing things the right way when those kids were 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Kind of hard to question that right now at this point. They seem like pretty well-adjusted, fairly successful yeah. people. So how, how do you find that magic bullet, or is it just a matter of just you know a lot of prayer, I guess, is, is probably what you're going to tell me, I suspect. Yeah, I mean, in my view of the world, there's nothing more important from grace. I know I need it from God. I need people to have grace toward me. I need to have it toward myself and other people. And so to go into it without some perfectionist mentality that thinks that anything I do is going to ruin my kid, kids are pretty resilient. And so for us to go into it, not putting pressure on ourselves, I don't know if you've ever heard that. Parents tend to take way too much credit when their kids do well and way too much blame when they don't. And, and that's most certainly true. And so, I mean, I apologize to my kids all the time for being sinfully angry with them or impatient. And so I, yeah, I remember one time my daughter said to me, Daddy, you have no idea what it's like to be an 11 year old girl. And I said, Caroline, you're exactly right. And you have no idea what it's like to be the father of an 11 year old girl. So let's learn together. Well said. <laughs> and, and just be partners in, in the development, realizing that, that we're all in process. And it's not just me helping my kid grow up. It's my kid being part of my continued growth. And so we, we all mess it up. But I'm going to mess my kids up in some ways. I'm going to contribute to their problems, no doubt about it. But I want to, in balance, be more helpful to them than detrimental to their growth. That's what I'm after. It doesn't mean I'll never make mistakes, certainly. But in balance, I want to be contributing more things to give them freedom and life and development than be a detriment to that. When you are talking through some of these issues and a parent is in the car with this kid who's just really messed up in a in a tennis match or on the golf course or whatever, and you want to give the kid a tongue lashing because he really just went out there and, and, and misbehaved or whatever the case. <laughs> Is it better, though, to maybe do that through a little bit of a Q&A and allow your kid to arrive at the answers that you would like to just be able to lecture him on as opposed to make it a lecture? Is it better to do the Q&A? 
Oh, Andy, I think what you said that is just perfect. I couldn't agree more. That sometimes I think it's helpful not to say anything. Just get in the car and say, "Hey, where, where do you want to go to eat?" But some parents feel like they got to break down the film and even be a second coach. The beauty of being a dad or a mom in that situation is you don't have to be the coach. He's got a coach. Let the coach coach. You get to be the dad. And how how great is that? That yeah, you can be part of giving some perspective if the kid seems to be helped by it or want it. But but the great thing about being a dad is you don't have to be breaking down the film. You don't need to be the one sharpening everything. And and if the coach is doing something differently than you, fine. Let him be the coach. And instead of needing to micromanage everything and take the joy out of it and lose perspective. And when I was coaching, and I say to my kids when it comes to sports, look, you need to know the difference between having limitations, making honest mistakes, and having some character issues we really need to look at. And see, as a dad, that's what I want to focus on. And I always say to my kids, and when I was coaching, I used to say this too, there are three things I will not tolerate. Being stupid, being lazy, and being selfish. <laughs> if you if you just aren't too quick, if if you need to develop a certain skill, if your head for some reason wasn't in the game this time, well, that's different than having character issues we need to talk about because you were just really selfish to your team or something. But but aside from those things that I don't even get, need to get to right away, I could talk about that two weeks later and bring that up and say, hey, remember the time you just shot the ball every time you got it or or just show real laziness and didn't give your best to your team? Well, I'll talk about those things. But as far as the game, I'm free. I don't need to be the coach. The kid has a coach. It sounds like if I'm reading between the lines, you take the emotion out of it. Let that settle down and, and, yeah. and let the heat lamps, you know, come off that situation before you try to address it. Eric, I want to tell you before we close out that I, I was very, uh, I found it to be a treat to get the opportunity to, to listen to you speak the other night. And I hope this is something that we can do from time to time. And I want to let my listeners know that I found such tremendous value in you. You're a man of great honor, great integrity, and great wisdom. And I want to be able to expose some of the people that, that I'm able to touch to, uh, to your words of wisdom. And I think tonight was a great start. So thanks so much for taking the time. And I really do look forward to doing this from time to time. And it's my privilege. Thank you. 